It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. Okay, it's a football Friday here on the Lombardi Line as we say hi. I'm Patrick Maher live from Los Angeles. He's Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. Hi, Michael. How are you? Uh, I am wonderful. Thank you, Patrick. How are you? Uh, good college great. football weekend. Good pro football weekend. We're ready to go. It's all good here. Yeah, we've got the Pac-12 championship, of course. Utah, USC. USC's four. They win. They're in. What a remarkable first year for Lincoln Riley there. They're laying two and a half. That's in Vegas tonight. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit with Vinny. But I think this is the best place to start. I want to ask you a simple question. Was Mac Jones right? Should they throw the effing ball? The quick game sucks. I don't know if he said quick or run game, but he was obviously I think he said, very, I think very he said, fired up. I think he said run game. And look, you know, that game kind of went the way we thought it would go yesterday on the show. You know, they even though Buffalo only scored 24 points, I don't think that game was ever in doubt who was going to win that game. And it, it may be a 14-point win, but it could have been a 28-point win. And... uh you know, the last time they played in New England, it was 33-21. to 21. They were 1-for-10 on third down. Yesterday, they were 3-for-12 on third down. So, you know, I, this is a problem. The, the Patriots are too slow on defense to play them. It's just clear as day. And New England's offense has been a cluster. Now, you know, last year they were a top-10 offense. They were a top-10 mm-hmm. offense last year. 
Their offensive line is, has, has not been as good this year. There's no denying that. Uh, their passing game, with even better players in their passing game, with Devontae Parker, Thornton back, they haven't. I mean, it's a concern. And, you know, they haven't been able to close the gap. You know, they can't make a play on third down against Josh Allen. They can't stop him in the red zone, three for three in the red zone. And they can't consistently move the ball. And I, I don't know who's right, who's wrong. But to me, when I watch the Patriots, they don't have an offense. They just run a bunch of plays. You know, I think he was calling for, as he said in the postgame presser, he wanted chunk plays. They were trailing after the first quarter the rest of the way. He was calling for deeper throws. That's kind of been the theme for the Patriots all year, right? The inability to stretch the field. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they can't. And they've and one of the things they wanted to do was stretch the field. You know, last year they were the best team in terms of being able to go 8, 9, 10, 12 plays. You could see it with the Raiders. I mean, Josh right. McDaniels' Raiders offense is very methodical, four yards, seven yards, tw- ten. You know, they make some big plays, but the way he calls the game, he possesses the football. Yesterday, the, the, the Buffalo Bills possessed the ball 38 minutes to the Patriots 21. Patriots had the ball nine plays in the second quarter, couldn't do anything with it. So, yeah, I mean, they, they don't have any – they have players that can get down the field. They don't have big strike ability. They don't. You can blame it on Mac Jones. You can blame it on, you know, the offensive line. There's a thousand reasons to blame it. It's just not there. All you know is last year they were a top 10 offense. This year they're not. Ended up closing four. It's That was a pretty wild line movement, if you think about it, Michael. Just, just the it made no workings. sense, though, Patrick. It, it, it made, made no sense. sense. It made no sense. It, it made no sense. I mean, there was no evidence. There was no evidence that New England was ever going to stop Buffalo. And the only way Buffalo was going to lose that game is if they turned it over. And once Buffalo got their running game going in the second quarter or late first quarter where they could run the football, you know, and, and control the game, then the game was over. And and they couldn't get off the field. New England can't get off the field on third down. They can't tackle the guy. They're not fast enough on defense. I don't know how many times i got to keep saying it, but when you play these six-back teams, you got to be fast at linebacker. Your defensive line has to be fast. And the Patriots aren't. They're just not. Bentley's out there, and he's always a play. He's always a half a man short. He just can't make a play. He's not fast enough. So when they go nickel, when they when they put Phillips down in the box along with Duger, and they go in that big nickel look to give them more speed on the field, that's when Buffalo runs the ball on them. Then they're too small to play Buffalo's run. It's a real problem, and you know, because they don't have linebackers that are the faster kind, and their defensive line isn't fast enough. And so they can't get off the field. I mean, New England hasn't been a good third-down team all year. They don't get off the field on third down, but they play good in the red zone. Yesterday they didn't. Okay, admittedly, this is a selfish question. Then I'll get back to the handicapping. When Patricia was in Detroit, his theme was big, slow linebackers. I never understood it. That was the biggest point of contention within the circles there. Is that something that Belichick has always touted? Because now you're talking about kind of the same thing, linebackers (sighs) that can't run as well. It's always been the it's always been that way, you know. What what they want to be able to do is have big linebackers like Hightower that can attack the pocket and have versatility coming forward and going back. That works. Bentley's not nearly as good as Hightower. Let's put that out there. Mm-mm. But what they want is to be able to take advantage of a smaller running back blocking them. And but they've got to be able to cover in space. That's why Jamie Collins was such a valuable player to them during his heyday because he was big, fast, and he was quick. See, oftentimes you can get guys that are fast, but they're not quick. 
So in those tight spaces, they don't make tackles. They don't, they're not able to. There was a play last night. I wish I was doing the game. It was the perfect example of why New England can't play Buffalo. There was a second and 10 play. They ran an off-tackle play. They had the edge sealed, and he and Singletary bounces it over towards the Buffalo bench. He gets 12 yards. You know, with a fast linebacker and a faster defense, that's a one-yard game. But he got 12. See, that's hidden yards that nobody sees. That's a personnel issue. That's not a scheme issue. Oh, no, this is this is a mismatch. It was a 14-point win, 24-10, of course, stays under the total for the Bills. But if you think about it, look, the Patriots didn't turn the ball over. They got one turnover from the Bills, and you're still looking at a 14-point win. Time of possession was 38-21. to I mean, this is just a better right. football team. I mean, that's right. They did have a. They did. The Patriots did turn the ball over. They had the. They missed they the field goal. They missed the field goal. That it hit the point. crossbar. So that that you know that to me counts in my equation. Heading into but the half. The re, yep. It, you know which would have given them. But the, the, this game was never in doubt. This game was never in doubt. And the only way this game could have been close is if the Patriots could have made any could have made two plays in the red zone on third down. I mean, they got them sacked right. They have them completely sacked. Mac Wilson's got them sacked. And, and like I said on the show yesterday, they can't tackle this guy. And so he scrambles to his right and throws a touchdown pass to Gabriel Davis. And, you know, and then, of course, Hockley calls a penalty. I mean, you know, I mean, in fairness, Ed called six on both teams. So he was consistent. How about a Josh Allen appreciation for a second on that exact play? Wilson's not a small guy. He shook him off. No. And then the way he threw the ball, the anticipation of Gabe Davis popping behind the defender was just across the body like that. I mean, the guy is a freak. He's a legit freak. I mean, they had ex- the Patriots got exactly what they wanted. They wanted him to move. They got him out of the pocket, and they had a guy who could run him down, and he couldn't tackle him. If he goes low on him and tackles him, maybe he gets him on the ground and he can't throw it, but he went high, and he just flicks him off. So, look, he's a hard guy to tackle, and I wrote this this morning. When the temperature goes below 35, he, people don't realize it's harder to tackle in cold weather than it is warm weather. It's hard. You're, you don't really have feeling in your hands. It's hard. And he becomes a harder player to tackle the longer the year goes on. The Patriots right now, 31st in red zone efficiency, 25th in third down conversion rate, 27th in first downs gain per game. The offense... That continues to be, you said it perfectly, the methodical nature of the Raiders' offense really stands out to me, and that's something they're missing. They're missing that rhythm that that McDaniel can They just they're run missing plays, that kind Patrick. Of, they just go they play just, to play. They go play to play. And and look, uh, I, I, you know, Matt Patricia, defense court offense, look, it, 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 to me there's, there's ex, just like Saturday needs expert, there's expertise to calling an offensive game, setting up a game plan. It's chess- it's a chess match, and I know he's seen it from the other side, from the defensive standpoint, but it's harder from the offensive standpoint. You have to be able to see the game in three dimensions, you know, and you've got to be able to figure out how we're going to move the ball and when the adjustments. I mean, they moved the ball early in the game, and then when the adjustments happened, they couldn't move the ball. I, I mean, look, the last drive of the game, Buffalo's going to give them a touchdown. They can't even score. Buffalo's more than willing to give them a touchdown. They couldn't score. They took the they take a bad sack. I mean, they're three for twelve on third down. I mean, they're three for twelve on third down. They, you know, they got the ball backed up on the on the one yard line, then they put the backup running back in. I have no idea why would they do that. And he gets stuffed for a one yard loss. Then they get a holding call and an intentional grounding. I mean, that was nothing like a typical Patriot team. It just wasn't. 
the comments this morning from Belichick were kind of supportive of Mac Jones. He liked the fire. He liked the fact that he was pissed. Your take uh, I mean, on Jones, I, 22 of 36. I don't think this is a Jones problem, do you? I, I don't think this is a Jones problem. This, this is a systematic scheme problem here. This is a problem here. This is an offense, like, uh, offensive coordinator problem. I mean, I just don't think you – offensive coordinators take experience in years. I just don't think a guy who can call deep – can do it. I don't think it's working. I think the bigger issue that goes without being said, the core foundation of the problems that they have is their offensive line isn't well coached. It's just not – it's not technically sound. It's not good. It's supposed to be the strength of their team. Too many holding calls, too many missed blocks, too many not this. Fundamentally, they're not good. They don't get any movement in the running game. They don't do a good job on double teams. I mean, it's just not good. New England, they're going to have some time off here, Michael, because their next game is at Arizona that following Monday. So remember, the 12th. They don't play again until uh, December 12th. At Arizona, they're a point-and-a-half favorite. The Jets go to Buffalo uh, next Sunday, so they get a little time oh, they, off as you wrote about in your look ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean the Jets are. They, we're going to find out what I wrote about today was about you know December's about you got to declare yourself right. The Patriots declared they're not really a playoff team, whether they make it or not. They're never. They're not going to beat Buffalo. And if that game in Buffalo, the last game of the year, means anything, Buffalo will beat them again. They're not going to beat Buffalo. They're just not set up to beat Buffalo. I've said it yesterday. I'll say it today. I'll say it tomorrow. I said it last year. They're not. And I'm not trying. And I, you know, I love the Patriots, and and I want the co- I love the coach, and I want him to. But this is this is just real. And so for me, you know, the the Jets, we're going to find out a lot about them in the in the next eight days, because if they can say, beat Minnesota, yeah, go ahead, right? If they can beat Minnesota and they go into Buffalo, they they can have a chance. But if they don't beat Minnesota, I don't see it. You got to say what you see when it comes to the Patriots, and that's all you're doing. You mentioned. The team's playing well in December as we head down that playoff push. We'll talk about the top five right now. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. 
You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, when you become a pro, vsin.com slash subscribe, you get our tools, the most popular tool, the most important tool as far as I'm concerned, the betting splits. So you see where the money and bets are going for every game. Also, they're updated every 10 minutes from DraftKings. Today's games, future events as well. Betting splits are a must for your betting arsenal. vsin.com slash subscribe to become a pro and get those splits. It's vsin.com slash subscribe. So as we welcome you back, the Bills move to 9-3. and three. As Steven mentioned during the break, they were, what, 2-2 two and two over their last four, 1-3 ATS their last four, tight wins. However, they did just win, what, three road games in a span of 12 days. That's very impressive. And now they're going to return home. Uh, takeaways. In, in division, they jumped up a little bit here. We talked about it. AFC East, they're now minus 300 to win, your, uh, win that division. The Dolphins are a 3-1 to one second betting favorite. The Jets, 14-1. to one, And the Patriots, now 80-1. to one. Your take on the Bills coming out of that 24-10 win? Well, I mean, look, they, they gained they gained 132 yards rushing against New England, and they didn't need their quarterback to do it. He only gained 20 on the ground. I mean, they actually ran an offense where he kind of didn't have to be the main guy, right? You know, his longest run was eight yards, and they were able to use Cook, who I think is fabulous, mm-hmm. Singletary, who came along, and they were able to control the pace of the game. And when they needed a play – New England couldn't take Diggs out of the game. New England has always struggled to cover McKenzie. You know, they've done a good job, and they did a great job yesterday on eliminating the big play. I mean, there was only two big plays in the game. You know, there was a 28-yard run by Cook and a 21-yard pass. But other than that, that was it. 
you know, New England had one big play, which was the 48-yard touchdown pass off of a flat. You know, so this was not a game of big plays, but but I thought it was a really good win for Buffalo, methodical win. Now, they need Dawkins back. Cuisenberry's not going to survive. They're not going to win anything with Cuisenberry over at left tackle. That's just a fact. Defensively, they're going to need to get healthier. You know, they're going to need to get healthier because, you know, they were going against the Patriot offensive line, like I said, that wasn't very well coached and struggled. Trent Brown was out there, but he really wasn't out there. He should have been better off not playing. I know he was sick, but his effort and his and his lack of intensity was pretty clear to me. So they're going to have to improve that pass rush. Von Miller on IR won't be back, but they're good enough scheme-wise on defense to take you make you play left-handed. And if you can't run, and if they can run the ball and keep the ball away from you like they did, it's hard to run the ball on them. You, you know, because you get behind in the game. Totally. And you mentioned the one two punch of Cook and Singletary. They had combined 27 rushes between them. Very efficient, ran the ball well, kind of a good balance. Dorsey did a good job calling that game. And Diggs, you know, Diggs again, seven receptions. You mentioned uh, McKenzie, who's actually gotten going later as the season's progressed. And They've dealt with injuries, but Diggs, what stands out with Diggs, it's not that he's not that fast. He's just a great route runner. He, yeah. he wants it. He's he wants it. And he and he can catch the ball in cold weather. That's the other thing, too. Those balls coming at him with those fastballs by Josh Allen, mm-hmm. they're fastballs. They're hard to catch. They'll split the they'll split the inside of your fingers if you're not careful. And and he can catch it, which is important. You got to be able to catch a cold ball this time of the year. It's not an easy thing to do. It's easier said than done. Uh and uh and I think that gives him. But I thought Allen played patiently. I didn't think he was panicked, and I didn't think he felt like he had to carry the team. I think he was very comfortable in how he played, and he knew that if he didn't turn this ball over, that they were going to win the game easily, and they did. Yeah, because his bugaboo had been those red zone picks, right? He gets a little emotional. He runs a little hot, and I think it's his competitiveness he didn't. He's, he kind of seemed in his pocket. He seemed okay. Yes, last night. Yeah, I mean they're three for three in the red zone. They're three for three in goal to go. They made the plays that they had to make, you know. And and he made plays. I mean the touchdown pass that he makes to Davis was in, it was exceptional on the move. Diggs, you know, is in, in one coverage. Guys playing inside technique on him. You're going to make that out every single time. Made a great throw, you know. So. Look, and then they, you know, Cook made the big run down the red zone. I mean, they were moving the ball pretty much all the time. Now, New England made them punt, but I never felt like New England's defense ever had control of the game. I thought mm-hmm. Buffalo was in complete control of the game from the start. I totally agree. So, you want to take a stab. You may not have looked. You may have looked. Let's early window, Jets at the Bills. You want to take a stab at the number? I'm going to guess the Bills are four and a half point favorite. Nine. Gosh. Now, you know, it's funny. I, I think a lot of people, I like the Jets against Draft Minnesota. DraftKings is nine and a half, by the way. Sorry. I like the Jets against Minnesota, but I'm worried about the Jets' offensive line on the road. I, I, You know, bad lines don't travel well, right? And one thing about this Jet offensive line, with a, with a quarterback who's not really experienced, it, you could be prone to making mistakes. And I, I like the Jets against Minnesota, I'm a little nervous about it because I think they could make mistakes because that offensive line, it struggles. It's really going to struggle. I mean, look, let's face it. The Patriots beat the Jets twice, and they had control of that game twice. With no offense. Think about that. The Patriots beat the Jets twice with no offense. I mean, the one, the game in the Meadowlands was the the, the Jets, the Zach Wilson fiasco. The game up there, neither offense could get going. 
Right. That is that is fascinating because that's a big number. I'll, I'll be curious to see how that that line adjusts. Right. Nine, nine and a half right now as we sit here. I on mean, the based second. on my current numbers right here, Patrick. Hold on. Let me just see. Based on what I have, the Jets as. And remember, oh, the so, Jets beat the Bills yeah, I, twenty to seventeen at New York on November sixth. Yeah. Just for context. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think my number. If I run the number really quick here, if you give me just yeah, you don't a have second to give here, just give us a roundabout. Give us a roundabout. I, I would say my number's going to be nine two. <laughs> see, see your your gut. Now, now that's a very interesting handicapping scenario that we just ran into. I threw you a matchup, and your gut said four and a half. But then you went to your numbers, and your numbers were and exact my number to the says market. Eight point, my number says 8.89. Okay, and the number's nine at the market. So it's like stay stay true and married to the numbers. This is a good lesson for handicappers. Your gut sometimes uh, 8.89, that's my number. I would have never guessed that. But again, I think part of this is because I think the Jets kind of can become a little bit intoxicating. I mean, they've beaten bad teams. But this offensive line for the Jets is the one thing that bothers me the most. Can they block a good front? And Minnesota has a good front. You know, and if Darashaw plays for Minnesota, that's going to be huge. Darashaw didn't play against New England. New England was able to – and New England didn't sack Cousins in that game either. New England's pass rush has been non-existent the last two weeks. Sorry, as a betting geek, I'm just wrapped up on what just happened. So <laughs> you just it's so funny how you went right to your numbers and your numbers essentially were the market number. But yeah, it, I mean, so I don't know what that means. Maybe you have a little bit more love for Salah subconsciously when you gave the four and a half. But well, again, I just I think just, to me, you know, they beat them once, right? Right. They beat so them they, one you, time. Yes. You yes. know, and so you feel like, okay, they beat them once. Now, Darashaw still did not practice uh, as of December the 1st. He was out with a concussion. If he doesn't play, I think that's 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 problematic. Now, you know, look, this Minnesota team, you know, we keep dismissing them, but they keep finding ways to win. Yeah. Look, so, if Buffalo went and played Minnesota, if Buffalo went and played Minnesota, it would be it would be probably instead of it being an 8.89 game, it'd be a 6.89 game. And let's face it, Buffalo should have beaten Minnesota by a touchdown or more. Well, your point is well taken. That nine right now, looking ahead a week from now with the Jets at the Bills, that's going to be affected by what happens with the Jets at Minnesota coming up in the early window two days from now. And Minnesota right now, as we sit here, is laying three in that matchup. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, again, but this offensive line for the Jets is problematic. I, I don't know if they can – if they can block them. But Minnesota, let's be clear here now. Minnesota defensively, they give up a ton of yards. They're 31st in the league. Now, I know giving up yards doesn't matter, but it kind of does for Minnesota. Why? Because Minnesota's always in close games. Sometimes when a defense gives up a lot of yards, their opponent's the clock, not their opponent, right? And so there's a lot of junk yards, but not the case in Minnesota, right? That's not the case. They're, they're 26 in first downs allowed. You know, they're 32nd in passing yards allowed. They're 31st in yards per attempt allowed. Like, if the Jets are ever going to move the ball, this is the game they're going to really move the ball. This this defense is actually worse than the Bears. Speaking of which, the Jets' social team put up, like, a five-minute clip of Salah coaching against the Bears. I don't know if you saw it. But no. the way he speaks would make Bill O'Brien and Joe Judge blush. 
I mean, <laughs> I, you couldn't fit. Tony Soprano couldn't fit more F-bombs. Where did you see this? I got to watch it oh, on the dude, break. Oh, you have to go watch it. You, it's, Was it on Twitter it or Instagram? Be, it literally might be six minutes long, and it takes you from pregame through the game and him just talking to – he actually – it's it might – I don't know if it's endearing the way Salah relates with his players or a little odd, but he almost relates as though he's not their coach. He's their friend and, you know, essentially, essentially a contemporary. It's, it's, I got it's it. really I, interesting. I got it. I'll I, be found interested. it. I found okay, it. Okay, I'll be interested to hear your take, but everything is F this dog, F that dog, and not talking about Jeezy or Bella. <laughs> Just like, it's, I don't know. I think I liked him coming away from it, but I'm not really sure. It made me feel weird. Okay, that is the Patriot and Bill angle. We need to talk about handicapping in December. There's a distinction. We'll discuss that next coming up on the Lombardi line. You're listening to the Lombardi line on VSIN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Well, Bill A.D., you crazy for this one. I just checked the calendar. It's Friday, yet we've extended our Cyber Monday offer. The Cyber Monday offer might head into next Monday. That would be wild. VEASAN Pro annual subscribers get $30 in credit right now to spend at the VEASAN store when you sign up. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It's that easy. You get 30 bucks for free, and then you get all the information by becoming a pro. It's a pretty good deal. It's been extended Cyber Monday. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Go get yourself a T-shirt. Go get yourself a hat as we welcome hey, you. Hey, Patrick. Back. Okay. Yes. yes Patrick, sir. I, I want yes, to see sir. Bill AD in a cowboy hat. You know, I love this email this morning. He set the stage there in Las Vegas, rodeo and USC fans, right? And, you know, he's at the long bar with our man Derek Stevens there, and, and he's having the, the rodeo cocktail. I, I mean, the man needs a pair of cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. I think he should <laughs> okay. click the ri- I don't know how they start rodeos. I assume they probably have some ribbon or a cow runs out. I have no idea. But, he should, but my man Bill A.D. ought to run that thing. So Bill A.D., back to the Chicago Tribune, is an old newspaper man and an editor and a great writer, and he writes the daily newsletter every day. And since he's taken it over where he's really kind of opining, I thought I think it's gone to the next level. You can go sign oh, up for so free great. right now, vsin.com. Just enter your email address. You get it every single day, and it categorizes everything for you, and it gives Bill's personality in there. But the uh, one thing I, I would it. say, yeah. I don't know if I've met a person that is less of a cowboy than Bill A.D. Yeah. Like, he's That's more of a James Bond a... type with the briefcase yeah. and running around. I like to put him in a cowboy hat and boots. But, I mean, <laughs> I, I could just see Bill A.D. in his day there uh, around, uh, behind a royal typewriter, you know, scratching it out, like, you know, you know, kind of making copy. I'm sure he's writing that thing at, like, 1 in the morning Vegas time. And it's just it probably right there. So it's great. But it's really well, you, well, it's That's what's funny. It's what's funny about the how habitually you and I love the stories about writers, and I've got a book where it talks about their routines, and I'm sure you've read it as well. But it's crazy how some of these writers, I don't know if you're the same way when you're writing, where they have these routines where some of them don't start writing until like midnight, and they'll go midnight yeah. to four, then they'll sleep yeah. all day. It's just wild. Yeah, I mean, I can't do that. Um, William Saffron, the great writer, he would start in the morning, take a long break, and then come back in the afternoon, Richard Russo, the guy who wrote Nobody's Fool, wonderful writer, he does the same thing, morning write, uh, afternoon rewrite. For me, it's I can't – I write in the morning, I rewrite in the afternoon. That's kind of how I have to do it. I, I'm not creative in the afternoon. I'm kind of more of a my, – my biorhythms are lower, I guess, if you want to call it. 
but I think about creative things in the afternoon. I just don't write creatively in the afternoon. What did Hemingway say? Hemingway said, "Write drunk, edit sober." <laughs> so yeah. what said his quote. I mean, he, well, he, you know, when you go to when you go down to the Hemingway home in Key West, I mean, he would he would start writing as soon as the sun came up, and he wrote standing up. And then he would write for six, eight hours from six in the morning till like two. And then all of a sudden, all hell broke loose. I mean, button down the hatches. Here comes old, here comes old Ernie. He's going to hit, he's going to hit some of those bars. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. So he was ahead of the productivity hackers in current day where everybody's now got a stand up desk. Hemingway back in the day where before it was even a thing was writing standing up. Wrote standing up. Yeah. He wrote standing up with his typewriter. That's a big boy and, and, too. You know, yeah, yeah, he's a tall man, and so you know you got you know that's that's. But I think it allows you to think a little clearer. You know, you kind of have to. Sometimes you walk around and think, how do I want to start this? You know, it's it's always about that. How do you? The best way to really write is to think about what you want to write about before you go to sleep, and then I think it kind of comes to you in the morning. Oh, I think. Have you, you watched the Springsteen interview on? Have you watched the Springsteen interview on HBO yet? With Stern. Yeah. Well, you and I talked about it. I, I, I listened to it in real time or as soon as our show was done. Um, I won't be hypercritical of it. I thought his performances, I thought his voice sounded absolutely awesome. Yeah, I mean, I wish Howard would have let him finish some of the questions he asked him. But it's really kind of in terms of if you if you appreciate the creative process, listening to him talk about creativity yes. is really good. It's really good. And, and how he doesn't try to force anything on and how he takes a moment to translate it into something. You know, like I love Land of Hope and Dreams, and I never thought of it as a hymn, but then it's a hymn. And I love The Rising, and I never thought of it as a prayer. So it's kind of like how he shapes it. And I think ultimately what I got from it was, as it benefits you and I, is, is our ability to communicate our message to our audience. I think that's the most important thing. He's been having a conversation with me since I turned 15. And, you know, and he's been having a conversation with other people, too. And I think that's so important is to continue that conversation, you know, to have it, to talk about it. And we just happen to wrap it around football, which is the best conversation to have. I think I think we just said it when he called the rising, when he said he viewed it as he was writing it as a prayer, as a prayer. Pardon me. I've gone back and listened to it probably 40 times since he said that. And I listen to it differently now. So, yeah, I thought too. his. I thought the way he elucidated upon how his writing process, if he was just allowed to speak, Howard Stern's the greatest interviewer of all time, but he was very hyped up for being in the studio yeah. for the first time, and he interrupted Bruce's train of thought at every second. <laughs> I digress. Now, that's Bruce Springsteen relating his songs to his audience. How about Robert Salah relating to his players? During the break, <laughs> I gave you the task of watching a six-minute clip the Jets posted about Salah <laughs> coaching his team. Bond said it really well. It kind of seems like a strength and conditioning coach presenting himself as a head coach. Great. I didn't, I didn't hear Steven say that, but that's a completely accurate. He's a rah-rah coach. Come on, let's go. Have a great day. Like, you, you know, that wears thin. That wears thin. You got to be a strategist. When they score the touchdown or, you know, like what I would have liked to see him say on the headset before they threw the pass, hey, this is going to be open. If we, we got what we want right here. We got what we want. You know, like somebody who knows what's at, he reactionary to everything. You can't he be reactionary. He never said anything technical. Never said anything I, I think technical. to me what we watched last night from New England's offense was reactionary. I mean, I keep watching New England's offense and it's battleship football. Let's run this. Let's run that. Okay, that works. Let's try this again. You know, and there's really no, there's no cohesive structure 
to it. If you want to be great in anything, offense, defense, or the kicking game, you've got to have a philosophy to build off of. And that comes from the leader. That comes from a strategist. And I thought that video did not lend me to support Salai as a strategist. It really doesn't. You know, he'll get him to play hard. I mean, he's more Dan Campbell than he is than he is a strategist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, there's different ways to approach every vocation. Maybe he feels as though his assistants have it taken care of, but you just that's six minutes, and in six minutes, you didn't learn anything from I that didn't coach. last six minutes. I didn't last six minutes. I said goodbye after after four. I, I jumped ahead after the hellos to the players before the game. I couldn't take enough of that. And then I wanted to see him on the sideline. And after I got about two series on the sideline, I was done. So I, I, I moved on. You know, I'll move on. And, that, you know, that's just not – for me, I don't mean to sound like I have all the answers. That's just not my that – my, that's not my style of coaching. That's like I want somebody intellectually stimulating the players. Okay, fellas, here's what we got to do. Here's where we are. This is what's got to happen. This is what's going to happen. You got literally zero of that from Slaw in six minutes, and that was their own social team. Okay, uh, we're just just stating the facts. You know, I'd love for the Denver Broncos to put out one of those on Nathaniel Hackett. It'd be fascinating to go inside and kind of get a vibe for him because there does seem to be a beta-like vibe to Nathaniel Hackett, and I it's almost like you feel badly for him at this point. I do we feel bad. About, I, th- I, I feel, I feel like he, he knows he's in over his head. I'm really surprised this Baltimore line hasn't moved more. I really am. It's nine. Is it nine Denver. or is it eight and a half? I, no, I mean, it actually, if it's nine Michael, and a half, I, let me interrupt. Is it it's moved? nine and a half now? Yep. Yeah, I thought it would. Yeah, it's not. I see it here. DraftKings, New Jersey, nine and a half. You know, I, I was I was going to take Baltimore when it was eight on on Russo today, but you know, I'm sure he'll have it at ten and a half by the time I get to him. <laughs> You know, <laughs> Mr. I can work the numbers as much as anybody, you know, and pretend I don't do anything with the numbers. I don't even know what the numbers were. You know, it's yeah, like it's like that. You know, it's like, listen, you know, I, when, when somebody tells you they don't know anything about it, that's when, when you negotiate with Jim, Jimmy Sexton, the one of the great agents of all time who represents most of the player, coaches in the Southeast Conference. You know, he's got that old shucks charm to him, that Southern charm that he makes you feel really relaxed. But he's really smart and he's really strategic. And once you relax, you're it's over. It's the same thing with Russo. He's kind of, oh, I don't know the numbers. And then, boom, he goes right for the kill. Yeah, passively, passively killing you while pretending to be your boy. It's interesting. Yeah. But MGM has the Broncos at the Ravens eight and a half. Westgate is sitting eight. Everybody else, including Circa, including DraftKings, are sitting nine and a half. So there's a pretty big variance with this Bronco Ravens number. Yeah, DraftKings here in New Jersey's at nine and a half with with a thirty nine and a half total. Correction: BetMGM has gone to nine and a half as well. So everybody's nine and a half. You're, you're, yeah. You were right on with your instinct that this number would continue to climb. Yeah. Now in the contest, in the contest here, it is eight and a half. It's a full point in the contest. I I think to me. What I wrote about it, we didn't get to it as much, but I think there's certain teams you want to fade now. I think the Rams are a fade, and I think Denver's a fade. And then I think there's certain teams based on the situation, not every week, that you might want to play. Like I, I, I think Houston, this is either their Super Bowl or nothing. I mean, I think this is all or nothing. This Houston's going all in on this one. I totally agree. So I agree. think there's certain games like that. I think you got to I think got to throw out the one loss record a little bit on some of these and the handicap and you got to kind of instinctively say okay, especially with dogs. I'm not talking about with favorites with dogs. Look, I know Cleveland's going to run the football against that porous Houston run defense, 
But I think this is kitchen sink. I think getting seven's a good price with Houston, with Cleveland coming to town, Deshaun Watson. I'm surprised more drama. people aren't. I mean, I could see why nobody wants to bet Houston. That's fact. Let's discuss that game. Also, the top five teams, regardless of record, as we head into December. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, it is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. It's a good time to tell you you can refer a friend and you both get $50 over at BetMGM. It's the Refer a Friend program. Visit BetMGM.com or download the app. Remember, the app's been reconfigured, but here's it's very simple. When you go to BetMGM.com, you're going to see a little thing that says Refer a Friend. Click that, send a message to your friend. When they sign up, 50 bucks to them, 50 bucks to you. Win, win. You can even send it to an enemy. Visit BetMGM.com or download the app. BetMGM, of course, the king of sportsbooks, 21 years or older, 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. Okay, we got you back here on the Lombardi line on a football Friday. You know, the look ahead, uh, this is a good time to plug it. Also, GM Shuffle, you can go to vsin.com. You can see the podcast right there. Michael's article on Friday that comes out called The Lombardi Look Ahead. You have to be a vsin pro for it, but it's awesome because it gives you his line of the week. It gives you his power rankings. It gives you his a top five, bottom five quarterbacks. But also in the mix today, you wrote about, uh, you wrote about the top five teams regardless of their record the last five weeks. What's important about that is ha- handicapping in December, the, the stretch run, who's playing ball now matters. And I'll right. give you the top five, and I want to get you to react. Dallas was number one. KC, San Francisco, Miami, and Baltimore. Yeah, and, and and this comes from Team Rankings, which is a website online that 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 takes a. I get a lot of my uh, rankings one. from, uh, and they're very good. You know, it's easy. It's easy to read. It's easy to understand. And so they basically do two sections. They they grade the teams over the last five weeks, right? And like Dallas at one time was a low of twenty seven in the rankings. Now they're out, they're number one. Kansas City has been as high as two. Low is nine. Okay, last week they were two. San Francisco, for example, they're third on the list. They've been as high as three. They've been as low as 29, and last week they were 12. Okay? So you, mm-hmm. in Miami is fourth on the list. They've been as high as three. They've been as low as 29, and last week they were 13. So you got to kind of look at this. Like the Jets are just outside. They're at sixth, right? They've been one. They've been 30. Last week, they were four. They slipped a little bit in the rankings, even though they won. Even though they won. And so I think it's just a, it's a non-biased way to look at it. And then when you look at the bottom teams, right, there's some consistency there. Houston's 32. You know, they've been as high as 13. And last week, they were 32. Chicago has been as high as seven. But last week, they were 17th, right? So they, they, they've been as low as 31. And last week, they were 17th. The Rams, they've been one. They've been as low as 32, and now they're 30th. Did you agree with Dallas sitting one? And let's talk about Dallas a little bit here, and we can get into uh, what they've got remaining. But it's a team where it feels like the linebacker, it feels like Parsons is getting healthy. By the way, Indy's at Dallas, and Dallas is laying 10.5. As a matter of fact, I see an 11 popping up. Are you right there with the rankings with Dallas right now, one? I, I am because I think when you look at their last five games, okay, let's go. They played Detroit. They handled Detroit. I mean, it's a 10-6 game, but they pull away. Chicago, they're in control of that game the whole way. Green Bay, they let it slip away off the bye. They destroyed mm-hmm. Minnesota, 
and they destroyed the Giants. I mean, 28-20, to 20, that game wasn't as close. So when you look at their last five games, they're 4-1, and one, but they played really well in all five. They should have beaten Green Bay. They didn't. And I think when you peel that back, I think you could say, yeah, they're playing really well. I think I would say that. You know, I think they're good. I think if you're going to play the, the, the Cowboys, now they're playing Indianapolis – so, you know, that line's moving. It's, it's a lot of points to give up. You're always worried about a backdoor cover. But I think they'll play Indy well. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. If there's a concern for you about Dallas, you know, Dallas is second as far as scoring defense. I think they're sitting 17 points per. You've got the 49ers sitting at 15.7 per on defense. So the 49ers, your best scoring defense. Dallas, your second best is that how right now you would have those two? Would you have? Would you give the slight edge to the 49ers defensively over the Cowboys? You know, I, I, I definitely would give San Francisco because San Francisco is hard to run the ball on. Dallas is 25th in the league in yards per attempt rushing. You can run the ball on Dallas. You can, you can, you have to understand how to attack Dallas to be good against Dallas. You know, they tackle well and they rush the passer. But I do think you can move the ball. And I think San Francisco, the longer the drive goes the harder it is. You know, the the, the Niners, the, the Cowboys, 24% of the, you know, they're 24th in the league in percent of when they get the ball, when the opponent gets the ball, they end up with points. Where they've been very good, Patrick, is they create turnovers. They're seventh in the league in creating turnovers. And they're fourth in the league in protecting the football. Yep. You know, that is going to be fascinating. Be so much conversation we had coming into the year, and I – just naively buried them when Dak got hurt. But so much conversation that McCarthy was simply keeping the seat warm for Sean Payton. McCarthy's done a pretty good job here in key situations, like coming off that loss where they gave it up to Green Bay to come back and play that well the following week. His team has responded. Yeah, I think I think Dak getting hurt might have helped him the most because yeah, it kind of decided right. that, you know what, we should just do what we do best, which is feature our two best players, which are Pollard, and Zeke, and then build off of it, right? You know, I mean, they've been really good. I mean, they've been really good offensively the last four weeks. They've gained well over 400 yards in every one of those games, and they've run the ball over 200 yards in almost two of them. I mean, they've really run the football effectively. They have not not had a 100-yard rushing day. They have to go back to Washington in week four. They've run the ball effectively. And if they protect the ball, play good defense, and they control the clock, you know, that's where they're really good, you know? They can control the football. And Kansas City comes two. These are the top five teams, regardless of record, the last five weeks. Kansas City, two. You know, it's so weird, and they've got that amazing matchup coming up at Cincinnati where right now Kansas City's laying a point and a half, two, depending on what shop. You know, it's interesting with Kansas City. I don't think they have ill will towards Tyreek Hill, but I think something's been kind of lit underneath Mahomes. Like that, the... It, <laughs> I don't know if you call it motivation. I'm glad you asked that. Because so, I didn't have, I, I wanted to elaborate more on that in the column, and I didn't. And the column was already too too big. I think what happened was the way people played the Chiefs with Hill kind of bothered Andy. It really did because he was going to have to run the ball, right? And you know, Andy doesn't really want to have to run right. the ball, and so and they kind of now that the, and so what happened was Mahomes' yards per attempt was the lowest of his career last year. Even with Tyreek Hill on that. the team. You know, it was the lowest of his career. And so because of that, you know, it, it, I think it affected him. Whereas now, without him, 
you know, now that without him, they're actually – Mahomes is actually 8.1 yards per attempt in his – this year, last year was at 7.4. Wow. You know, and what nobody realizes, Mahomes is throwing the ball more this year than he ever has in terms of yards passing per game. He's at 325.9 yards per game. That's the best in his career. The year he won MVP in 2020, it was at 316. His second year, his first year as a starter, he's at 318. He's at 326, 325.9. You know, and so he's done a remarkable job of taking profits, getting everybody else involved. And I think that that's part of why he's increased it, his average. I mean, in 20, he was at 8.1. In 19, he was at 8.3. You know, so I think it's just gives him. Now, he's not throwing nearly as many touchdown passes. I mean, in 2018, he had 50 touchdown passes. He's only got 29, not only 29. Like, that's some problem, <laughs> right? Right? But still, he's, you know, he's not, he's not, but he's averaging 325 a game. I will say your top five quarterbacks this week is fascinating. Uh, I'll save why. Obviously, one and two, and then there's a chasm, but one was Mahomes, two is Allen, and then you can start feasting on the rest, but Mahomes and Allen have separated themselves. I mean, when when Allen plays like he did last night, under control, not being quietly confident, not having to be a, not wearing a red cape, he's hard to play. He's really hard to play. And when they can get the running game going without him, even though he's in the running game, I mean, look, they ran quarterback draw, they ran counter. You know, when they run that counter, when they pull the guards, when they when they when they pull when they move everybody this way and pull the guards back that way, that's that's a hard play to play because your instinct is to go with the back, right? And now you got to play counter power counter back the other way. It sets up everything else. Also, not to get morbid, but we do now know with all the details that a few years ago that Super Bowl was stolen from the Chiefs and because of what happened the night before or the day before with Andy Reid's son. I mean, the tragic yeah. thing that happened to that young girl and just the emotion that they left Kansas City with down to Tampa. Like, there's that was that's impossible that that didn't seep into the locker room. Impossible. Of course it did. Because you could tell of it was a listless it team. It seeped into the head coach. You know, the one that I can remember handicapping that game. I felt like they would offset the buck rush by getting the ball out of Mahomes' hand quickly, and they didn't. There, his mind were his mind was on other things. Remember, they didn't adjust at the half either. So his mind was, and for good reason. I mean, that poor young of girl course. and his son in, in jail now. So their mind was elsewhere. But unfortunately, we're a handicapping show, and you have to talk about all the variables. And that's that certainly was one of them in the Super Bowl. Okay, when we come back, you got a Pac-12 championship tonight in Vegas. Vinny, the Hall of Famer, is going to join us from behind the book there at the South Point. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. 
Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.